Happy New Year. God bless you. Thank you for coming out today and being part of what God's doing here at Grace Point. If you're visiting, we're so honored to have you to join us today. And uh, it's always kind of a reflective time to have a service this close to the end of a year and the beginning of a new one. You know, 2017 was interesting. Probably a lot of you know this, but as we end 2017, it actually was the 500th year uh, since what was known as the Great Reformation occurred. And uh, most of you remember that was in 1517 when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses, as it's called, to the Wittenberg door. And it, it did dramatically release a worldwide change. His greatest revelation out of that that he posted in opposition to such known religion and you had people so, you know, they were peddling the gospel but they wasn't practicing the gospel. Selling indulgences and all kind of things, foolish things that they were doing to receive from the Lord and he just came to the revelation that we're saved by faith through grace, not of works. And you wouldn't think that's a big deal, but back then, 500 years ago, that was just heresy almost. But I want to tell you something. It released a lot of turmoil. I mean some major turmoil, not only in Martin Luther's life, but in the life of many in the so-called church. But out of that turmoil emerged a people that began to relate to God and to believe in a gospel that caused them to be able to approach God on the merit of Jesus Christ alone and not upon their performance. And it just changed everything. And, but over these past 500 years, I think the church we've drifted into and a lot of that same old stuff again. But it seems like to me, not just in 2017, but, but we've reached another reformation time. And, and, and there's a revelation of the grace of God that has gripped not only the church in America, but the church in the world. And so people can resist it, and they are, and they can stand against it, but they can't stop it. We are coming into the revelation, the progressive revelation of really the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And I want to read probably, I hate to call any verse my favorite, but we'll just say it's one of my favorite verses in Romans 5, 17. You hear me quote it, you hear me read it a lot. Uh, and I uh, don't think I'm going to say something that you uh, don't, don't even think about what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm not going where you probably think I'm going to go with it. But I do want to read Romans 5, 17 before you sit down. Paul writing here, he says, For if by the one man's offense, now who's that one man he's talking about? Adam. So if by one, the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more. I love how Paul keeps using that phrase, much more. He said this is, this is a far bigger deal than what Adam did. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, we just entitled this reigning in the new year. God wants us to reign in life. Now, he said until Jesus came, death reigned like a king over humanity. You say, well, people still die, not like they did before. Whoever believes in Jesus, the Bible says, shall never die. You understand? That death they were talking about was eternal separation from God. Um, 
notice it does not say those who are given grace. But it says those who receive abundance of grace. Now I'm going to show you something here maybe that you hadn't seen before. I had this one little verse. Notice it doesn't say the abundance of grace. He left out the definitive article. Because there is not the abundance of grace, but there is the gift of righteousness. There's not different kinds of righteousness. Not one person in front of you, beside you, is more righteous than the other person. If you have believed and put your faith in Jesus, we have received the righteousness of God. It's his righteousness. There's not different kinds of righteousness. There's not different levels of righteousness. You don't earn it, you receive it. You don't achieve it, you receive it. Is that right? But now grace is not like that. Grace is not like that. So just because you go to a church called Grace Point don't mean that you've got the point of grace yet. Let me tell you what grace is like. I know you're standing, but let me tell you what grace is like. It's like the ocean, water. You decide how much you can receive. Notice it said it didn't say to those who have been given abundance of grace. It says those who receive. Not thee, but those who receive abundance. The word abundance there is an abundance that cannot be counted. It's like the stars of heaven. The, the, it's like the sand of the, uh, the seashore. You can't count it. On down we could read verse 20, 21 where it says that where sin abounded, grace did that much more abound. Actually, the word more abound is super abound. Super abound. So where he said where sin abounded, that Greek word means it can be counted. But it says where sin abounded, where sin could be counted, where you could measure sin, grace did much more, superabound. Can't be counted. There's more grace than there is sin. There's more grace than there is sin. There's more light than there is darkness. Do you receive that? See, if we receive abundance of grace, so it's like the ocean. You can go down there with a teacup, you can get a thimble. You can draw as much grace as you want. You can go down there with a bucket. You can go down there with a tank car. But if you, if you really want to do what we want to do right here, just go down there and put the pipe in the water and just let it flow. No measuring. Do you understand that the Bible says that we can grow in grace? Through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says to grow in grace in 2 Peter. That we're to grow in grace. But you can't grow in righteousness. But if we're going to reign in life, and it doesn't say that you might reign. If you try hard, you'll reign. It says those who receive, all you got to do today is receive. Do you hear this? This is like a mini sermon before I get to the real sermon. Those who receive, so the question is, have you received? Abundance. Of grace. Sit down, let me talk to you. L listen. Let me stay in this thought. Listen. Remember the Apostle Paul had a problem? Prayed three times for God to remove his problem. And God's reply to him was that my grace is sufficient. Please don't read that like barely enough. Just get by. Maybe you'll make it. The, the word where God says, told Paul, my grace is sufficient, comes from the word surplus. My grace is abundant. In other words, my grace is more than enough. It's more than you need to get you through what you're going through. 
See, see, God's grace is like that ocean. To those who receive, you have to receive it. How do you receive it? By believing it. See, sometimes when I say things like that we're to reign in life, then you start thinking like this. Well, I want to reign in life. I want to reign in 2018. I want 2018 to be different in 2017, so this is what I must do then. I'm going to set my alarm clock earlier. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read more. And there you go, right down that same old trail that never works. Because you're trying to achieve it. And so I'm going to go ahead and save you that New Year's resolution stuff. This is not about you trying harder, doing more, working harder. I'm not talking about being lazy, but I'm talking about believing God and receiving what he has provided, like all the water in the ocean, it's just up to you what you're going to draw from. Because although we've all been given as a gift, the Bible calls righteousness the gift of righteousness, the free gift of righteousness. That's what it says. But those who have, received, have been given the gift of righteousness, but then the grace, you decide. You decide how much grace. Do you have enough grace? Maybe you're like Paul, you got problems, got some problems. It can be, it can be all kinds of things. But have you, have you received abundance of grace? See, because you go down to the ocean with whatever you decide to draw with. And, and, and so the grace of God, what, what is that? Well, we know it means unmerited favor, right? We know that. But it also means divine enablement, divine power. And where does that come from? Because what he says in Romans 5, 17, but for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, look at this, will reign where? In what? In life. You know the word life there? Some of you know this is zoe. That's the God kind of life. That's divine life. That's, th that's that life that come when we were born again. Through the one, it says, Jesus Christ. And, and so you, you, you got to see that, that the abundance of grace is available to every person in here, but you grow in the grace of God. And 2 Peter 3.18 says that comes through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Grow in grace. You can't grow in righteousness, so don't even try. But you can grow. Now, let me say this. You can manifest more of that righteousness that God puts in your born-again spirit when you're born again. In other words, you can display more of it. But you, you, you don't receive any more of it because it is the righteousness of God. It is not a righteousness. It is not some righteousness. You're either righteous or you're unrighteous. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either in Christ or you're in Adam. You hear me tell you this? I don't, you know. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're not a little pregnant. That's how righteousness is. You're not a little righteous. Well, I'm kind of right. No, you're not. You're either he is or you ain't. Come on, y'all. Second Peter 1 and 2, Paul, uh, Peter writes and says, grace and peace be multiplied. See, grace and peace can be multiplied. Some of you are praying for peace. How does peace come? He says grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's how it comes. What's happening right now? Your grace and peace is being multiplied to you. Because your knowledge in the Lord is increasing. Can you say amen? See, and this is, I told you last Sunday that I was going to maybe say something, you know. Anyway, here it comes. This is what I believe I heard. I heard 
for, and I hardly ever say like this, I just preach the Bible. But I believe I heard God say to me to tell us, not just you, me too. I probably need this worse than you do. But to recalibrate our expectations in 2018. To recalibrate our expectations. We don't understand the power, the awesome power that's in expectation. Of course, last week we just come through Christmas. And again, I got to a fresher, refresher course on expectation by watching my grandchildren. How they were tonight before Christmas. Went over to our, son, our oldest son's house on New Year's Eve. And the whole, the, the whole atmosphere is filled with expectation, especially in their eyes. Christmas don't look good unless you can see it through the eyes of a kid. And, that, and, and a lot of that's like the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you'll not enter the kingdom. There, there's so much about it. He didn't say become childish, but become as a little child. Their, their, their hearts were so filled with expectation, with expectation of what they were going to receive the next morning. And they could hardly sleep. It's hard to give them. I mean, come on, you can remember that, right? Can't you remember that as a kid? That you can't hardly sleep. You just, you just have to, you want to go to sleep because they told you you got to go to sleep in order to receive the next morning. But you don't want to go to sleep. Why? Because you're so filled with expectation. You're so excited. And, 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 and I know when we were kids, many times we would be up way before the sun came up. We would, we, would be up, we would go in there, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning and just look and see, you know. And then we would, you know, we would, we, we, we could, we, you can't sleep then, you know. But you say, well, that's, that, that's Christmas. I'm talking about something bigger than Christmas here. See, it, it, listen, if we set our expectations according to the ordinary, we'll just use this word, seasons of the church, then we're going to miss the new season which broke in upon humanity when Jesus was born and died on the cross. Now, I'm going to say something, and and don't carry me too far with it. But you can't hardly hear any prophetic word given by any prophetic person without the word season in it. And I'm just saying there is an overuse and an abuse of the word season in prophetic declarations. Well, you bout to enter into a new season. You bout to. You bout to. God's about to do something. Or if you're from South Georgia, God's fixing to do something. <laughs> God ain't about to do something and God ain't fixing to do something. God's already done something. And God done it when Jesus died on the cross and Jesus said it's finished. He didn't say it's about to be finished. He said, it'll be finished after what? No, no. He said, it is finished. And I emphasize that a lot around here because the church gets crippled. Because if it's always about to, then it never gets here because it's always about to. You're about to enter into a new season. That's how all the prophecies are. Now, don't get mad at me. And if we have a prophet and come, they're going to prophesy and they're going to tell you about to enter into a new season. And are they lying to you? I'm not saying they're lying to you. But let me tell you something. In, in the book of Mark, I'm not going to go there, but in the book of Mark, it's a story about Jesus with the fig tree, right? And so he sees leaves on the fig tree afar off. He desires something to eat. He goes to the fig tree and, and, and desiring something to eat, but there's no fruit there. But now Luke doesn't even mention it, and, and the other gospels mention it, but they leave this out. But only Mark 
And his record of it records what Jesus said, which puts a whole different perspective on that story of the fig tree. It actually throws like a monkey wrench into it that nobody else does, but Mark does in his writing in Mark 11. And he says that Jesus went there, one translation said, expecting to receive something from the tree. Listen, however, it was not the season for figs. Jesus said it's not the season for figs, but he was looking for figs. And so because he didn't find what he was looking for, then he spoke a curse upon the tree and said, no man eat fruit of you from here forever. Is that right? You go, well, what in the world? The poor little tree? I mean, the tree's being condemned for not producing fruit when it's not the season for fruit. I mean, you can't go outside, you know, and, 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 uh, and go up to a tree out of season and be mad at it because it's not having fruit because it's not the season for fruit. And there are seasons, and let me say this, I believe in planting and sowing. In, in, the, in, in other words, we plant, we'll reap, and, and so forth like that. I don't have time to introduce a whole other sermon, but sowing and reaping is not what you've been beat up with out of James. What's her man? Anyway, it's just not in the New Testament. And so to, to go into all this season stuff, you have to go to the Old Covenant. But if you look up the word season, first off, it's very, very seldom even mentioned in the New Testament, four or five times total. And when it is, it's always in the context of the natural realm, in those realms, but not in the spiritual realm. Now, are we already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? We're in heavenly places in Christ already, right? That's what Ephesians teaches us. So in, let's just look in the heavenly places for a moment. In Revelation 22, the Bible said every tree in heaven, there's all kind of different trees, but they each bear their fruit every month, and their leaves never wither, and therefore the healing of the nations. So in heaven, we don't wait for spring, summer, winter, and fall. In heaven, there's no harvest time. It's harvest all the time. I thought you were in heavenly places. Why are you waiting on a new season? Why are you waiting for something in the future? See, the new season came when Jesus came because he said, I'm introducing a new wine. Not the old wine that people prefer, but a new wine that requires a new wine skin. Old things have passed away. Are y'all with me? And see, all I'm trying to tell you that Paul said that you've already received the fullness of God that's in Christ Jesus. Not the halfness, not the three-quarterness, but the fullness, the full measure. The Bible says that, that, that God, that Jesus Christ, he's the fullness of God and manifested and, and we've received, Paul said in Ephesians, the fullness of God. You say, well, that sure doesn't translate out into my life. Well, that's why we're here. Okay? I'm not saying there's not room to grow in the knowledge of the grace of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ so that grace and peace will be multiplied to you. Are y'all with me? Some of you look at me like I'm teaching trigonometry this morning. But we got to recalibrate our expectations. And, and too many times you've heard words about you about to do this, you're coming into a new season, now you've been in this season, now you're coming in this season. See, that's all natural thinking. I know that messes up a lot of prophetic stuff, but that's natural thinking. That's limiting to the earth realm and to, to seasons and times and ebbs and flows and economic downturns and upturns and all that. But, but, but there is a higher plane than that. And... Uh, 
You, you, you just have to say, well, what season are we in? People ask me that. Well, brother, what's, what, what season do you think we're in? They don't ask me that much anymore. But Let me tell you what season we're in. What season are we in, brother? What do you think the Lord's doing? <laughs> I get that a lot. The season we're in is in, we're in the aftermath of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the season that we're in. And, and the kingdom of heaven has been launched. L listen, the spirit has come. He's come to enable us and to empower us as God's people to live and to reign in the zoe, the, the, the life of God. So we, but I understand we're living in the progressive revelation of that finished work of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why I'm, the word of God is being taught. But we're, 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 we're learning Man, if I had known when I first got born again what Jesus really had accomplished, whoo! But thank God, I've, 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 the, the finished work of Jesus is the season we're living in, and, and, and so you, you know, without expectations, your dreams are going to die. Now, m many people go to church just to go to church, but they don't go to church to become like little children. And I don't care if it's your birthday. You know how your birthday, even with a kid or even with an adult. I mean, I even saw some expectation in the eyes of my wife. She, 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 she has expectation. And her, her expectations were not cut off. She was not disappointed. Because I always give her present in private. I just like to see her open the package. And she used to be real bad about getting presents, so I couldn't ever put in a three because she's a shaker. You know what I'm saying? She'll, she would examine the package and shake it and kind of do like when we first were married. She, she hadn't done that in a long time, but she used to be like that, so I could never put anything on a tree because I was afraid she'd maybe figure out what it was. So I always keep them hid. I still keep them hid. So I had her present hid under the couch. She didn't even know it was there. Trees over there got, but I, so I said, well, I, I had her sit down and I'm all up under the sofa feeling for it, you know, but I had it hit up under there, but just to see the expectation because she expected to receive something and see, sometimes faith and expectation get they're Listen, they're very closely connected, but they're not the same thing. I want you to hear me now. Faith and expectation are not the same thing. See, sometimes we come to church and we, 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 we say, well, I have faith in God. I believe in God, Brother Dale. I believe the Lord can do anything. But you don't expect him to do anything. See, now, it all begins with faith. There's nothing more important than the faith of God that, that God's graced us with. But, but you can have faith and not have expectation, but you cannot have expectation without faith. Whew, that's good. You can have faith and not have expectation. But you cannot have expectation without having faith. See, expectation means that you are, you are expecting to receive something from God. Now, I look back over my ministry. I've been doing this over 30 years. And, and, I, and, and I've had the, the awesome privilege of seeing so many wonderful miracles in people's lives. And I mean just really miracles. And you can't hardly convince people unless, unless the doctor validates that they got one. But I've seen God do tremendous miracles. But as I look back, many of those miracles happened during special times. For example, when we were observing the Feast of Tabernacles. Why? Because people come to those meetings with a greater expectation than they do here. Now, a lot of people just attend church to attend church. And they come in and they leave out the same way because they came in faith to come to church. But they didn't have any expectations God's going to do anything or really manifest itself. Or there's going to be much happen. 
Why does people like Benny Hinn or back when Catherine Kuhlman, why do these people like that see so many miracles? Is it because they're more anointed that God likes them more, he's doing more stuff through them? No, it's because of the expectation factor. People that go to a Benny Hinn meeting are not going just to hear the guy teach. They're expecting God to do something in their life. And God doesn't disappoint. Expectation doesn't disappoint. See, but, and, and if we could just receive that, we, 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 if we don't expect God to do something, we're, not, we're, we're just not going to experience it because it takes our expectation is the breeding ground for the miracle. It, it actually releases our faith. And so we can have faith that God's here, God loves us, God saved me, but not have expectation that God's going to do anything. And I've seen over and over in those meetings, even when, 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 when people's faith got elevated up, their expectation was raised. What happened to them? They received miracles. I, they've, see, they've received miracles in their body. Tremendous miracles. And I've seen it over and over because of the expectation of the person. I mean, we had a person this in 2017 coming uh, here, I'm keeping their privacy uh, but, but there's people here that are listening to me now that knows what, uh, know the story even more detail than I do. But a, but a person came in here this year, stage four cancer. We happened to be uh, doing communion that day, and, and, and there was great emphasis placed um, in my message about the healing power of, of just receiving uh, the body of Jesus. You know, recognizing really what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And I, and I had no idea of that. And I remember after the service, our brother is here. He's here listening to me now. But he, he called me over to pray with this man, and, and he prayed, and, and we stood in a great, you know, joined hands or whatever. But the man really didn't even want prayer. He told my brother back, he said, well, if you want to pray, make you feel better, go ahead and pray. But he, this is what he said, and I had no idea what was going on. He said, but I came here with something, but I'm leaving with nothing. Now, as a preacher, I thought about it, wait a minute now. What is he talking about? He came here with nothing. I want you to come here with nothing and leave with something. I'm talking about the word of God. But what I didn't know, he was saying, to, that he said, I came here with cancer, but I'm leaving with no cancer. That's, that's what he was saying. Now, that's where, that's where his faith was. That's where his expectancy was. And it was so, and it's, that's where it was to him. And he's healed today. He got healed in that service. I said, cancer bowed his knee to the power of the Lord and, and the cross of Jesus. Ain't like I healed him. I didn't even know what's going on. But he received. I want to tell you something. Everybody in here can receive abundance of grace. You can, it, 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 it's not like, well, God, well, I'll do this for this. That's why I used to thank God, you know, like, well, maybe God will do something today. I used to go, maybe God will do something today. No, God's done it on the cross. It's can we believe and have faith to believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and receive freely what grace has provided for us? I remember a story about a, a man that got desperate, a young man. He wasn't anybody I knew now. But I just read this story where this guy went to a palm reader. You know, God forbid. You know, but he went to a palm reader, you know, and he was young in his 30s and, uh, you know, had his palm read or whatever. And uh, so the person, the lady that was reading his palm, she told him, she said, you're, you're going to be uh, poor and miserable until the age of 41. You know, so that really upset him, you know, but then he kind of felt a little twinge of hope he said well at 41 am I gonna you know uh become suddenly become rich and she said no you're just gonna be so used to being poor and miserable it ain't gonna bother you no more <laughs> huh. sadly 
that's how many people in the church are. They've become so used to being poor and miserable, sick and afflicted, that it don't even bother them anymore. Whatever you can live with, you will live with. Whatever you can tolerate, you'll tolerate. If you can learn to live with your sickness, then you'll learn to live with it. You'll accept it as part of your normal. And then you will lose the expectancy. You'll still have faith in God that at the end of this thing, everything's going to be all right. But you won't reign now in life because you will have settled for less than what God intended you to have. And you get comfortable with it. You get comfortable in your crisis. And, 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 if, and you lose that expectation of things getting better. And so you get, it can happen to a whole church where we get comfortable with coming to church, not seeing anybody healed, not seeing anybody saved, not seeing anybody delivered. We just come to church, we hear a teaching, we say amen, we go home. But our lives never change. We, 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 we have settled for something far less. I want to tell you something that really hit me this week. And, and a passage that I've known, and I, honestly, I've never even thought this way about this passage, but in Mark, uh, I think it's Mark 16 and 17, where he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And he said, uh, he said that in my name they'll cast out devils. That, that, and, but then he said this, and they shall speak with new tongues. Now, some of you limit that, <clears throat> saying, well, he's talking about speaking in a prayer language. That's really not the context there. He didn't say they'll speak in tongues. He said they will speak with new tongues. They will speak a new language. See, we've been born again, so we don't talk like the world talks. Now, if we talk faith, if we talk the Bible, if we talk the Word of God, if we talk the kingdom of God, that's going to be a new tongue to people. They don't understand that when you're sick, you declare that I'm healed by His stripes. They don't understand that when you're, they don't understand that you speak from a different perspective and from a different world. You've you got to learn to talk with a new tongue. Some of us need a new tongue. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues or prayer language. <clears throat> I'm talking about just talking different. You can fall into the trap of talking defeat, despair, negativism, being, being just, you know, I'm, you're accustomed to it. And what's happened? You've lost that expectation. You've lost the power that comes with expectation. In Acts chapter 3 is a great, great story. I just want to read about three verses in Acts chapter 3, verse 2 through 5. This is when Peter and uh, John are going to the temple to worship. And the Bible says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now notice the word there. Man, there's so much preaching in that to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Now, let me tell you something about Jewish culture. Jewish culture, and I, forget, I can't pronounce the Jewish word that they call it. There's a, actually, it's a Hebrew word that they call it. But in other words, what that word means is it is the duty of every Jew to give to the poor. And they put it at the highest level possible. And, and they considered that if you were to walk by a person who was poor, that needed alms, and you gave nothing to them, and you had to give and just didn't give, they consider you to be an idol worshiper. It's the same, they equate that in the Jewish culture uh, in, the, in the days of Jesus to idol worshipers. So I want you to understand that, that this man is laid at the gate going into the temple. Now, most of you know that lame and crippled and, 
and, and, and people like that could not go into the temple. It was against the, the law to, for them to go into the temple. Okay, so he was as close as he could get, but he couldn't go into the temple. But let me tell you what this man is not there doing. He's not there not thinking he's not going to receive anything. Bad grammar, but true story. You understand? He, he knows that these Jewish people are going to throw some coins in his cup. That he's going to get something. So I want you to understand that he has faith. That, see, see, Ben's already ahead of me. But he has faith because faith is what got him to that gate. That, nobody's carrying him to the gate against his will. He's carried daily to the gate and he's laid at the gate called beautiful. It's called beautiful. There to seek alms of the people. And then look in verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. <clears throat> now he has faith. He's still praying. He's asking. But then, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. So he gave them his attention. Now something's changing now. And then here it goes, expecting to receive something from them. Now when Peter and John passed by this guy, most everybody that passed by this guy just throwed coins in the cup and didn't say nothing. And that was their Jewish duty to do that. And he was used to hearing coins hit the cup. Because see, that's what religion does. Man, I'm seeing about five messages out of these two verses. Religion has a routine to it. This is something that he done daily. He's laid daily at the gate, God wants me to tell you that some of you are at the gate. I mean, you are that close. See, don't get mad at me because I walk through the gate and you lay at the gate. But if I can see a gate, I'm walking through it. I'm going to walk through my gate because the gate is the entry point into what God has. There's a gate that God has for everybody in here, but you can lay at the gate or you can walk through the gate. You can make excuses why you can't get through the gate. The gate's not beautiful unless you get to walk through it. It's just called beautiful. Now, there's a lot of things that are called beautiful that are not really beautiful at all. Because it's not beautiful to walk past a lame person every day. But you get accustomed. See, religion will lay crippled people daily at the gate. With never any expectation that they'll get through the gate. Ever get to go through the gate. See, some of you in 2018, to think, you, you're going to get to go through the gate if you'll believe the word of God. He, they knew, this guy knew something was different when Peter and John said, look at us. Because, see, they didn't have a religion. They had a relationship. And their relationship wasn't inside the temple. Their relationship, they were praising God at the house. They had a relationship with God. See, when relationship meets religion, things change. When a relationship, see, Peter and John had a relationship with this God. They didn't have a religion with the God. They didn't go to church to get a relationship. They came to church with a relationship. They, they, they had a relationship before they got there. They had a praise of God before they got there. They, they were talking to God before they got there. They went to the, to the temple at the hour of prayer, but that didn't dictate when they prayed. These two guys had a relationship with God, and neither one of them had an agenda. John, you know, Peter and John, he didn't say, look at me. He said, look at us. 
What would people say? Can you walk up to somebody and say, look at us? Can Grace Point people walk out somewhere in the restaurant and say, look at us? What would they see if they look at us? Oh, I'm preaching now. I'm all in your Kool-Aid. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Don't look at our church. Don't look at our building. Don't look at our family life center. Don't look at our basketball team, softball team. Don't, don't look at, look at us. Look at us. It ain't about our building. When you ask us about church, we don't point to our building. If they ask you about Grace Point and you point down here at 2206 East Hill Avenue, there's something wrong. Because this ain't the church. This is the building. If they ask you about the church, say, look at us. Look at us. Look at our lives. Look at what Grace has done. Look at our lives. Look at us. Look at our family. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We live different. We've got expectation for good. If I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would not have made it this far. See, you've got to believe that there's going to be better than what we've had. You've got to believe in the goodness. It's hard preaching this with Jill on the front row because she knows I'm preaching to myself. I can't just believe the doctor's report. I've got to believe in the report of the Lord. I went to the doctor last week, didn't like what he said. But that ain't the final report. That ain't the last report. That ain't the only report. I got a second opinion from the great physician. Come on, somebody. Come on, you, you got to believe in better. See, expectation can work for you or against you. In the Bible, the New Testament says they were people that expected nothing but judgment. Evil. And there's people that they, they expect. Well, I knew this was going to happen. Because you expected it. And you got what you expected. You don't understand the power of expecting right things. This ain't just some, li listen, I mean, I read this. I'm not making this up. Yesterday, it made me remember it because I was watching MASH. Anybody remember the middle tip, the MASH? <laughs> Alan Alda? Okay. Probably because I was a paramedic for 20 years, so that, I just like all that, you know. I just, I just like those guys, they buddy cut up and stuff, but... But it's, it was, anyway, so I was watching an episode of MASH yesterday while I was eating my lunch. And in this episode, uh, they run out of morphine. They only had one box. And they got all these wounded soldiers, and they got no morphine, just enough for like two guys. And they got like 20, 20 patients or something. So they go to Colonel Potter. We got no morphine. We won't have any morphine until tomorrow or the next day. And there's no way these patients can make it through the night without the morphine. So all the doctors, you know, General Potter and all the other three guys, out, all these guys playing doctors, they all get together. And they come up and they say, well, we got to do something. You know, they're already having patients, you know, just carrying on. So they come up and say, we gotta, we got to do something. So they come up with a, uh, just a fake shot, fake pill. Actually, it was a pill. And it was a placebo. You know what a placebo is? It's, it's fake. It's a, it's a sugar pill. So that's what they did. They made these capsules, fill them with sugar. And they went in there with their faces stern and said, we're going to, and they told us guys, they, we're gonna, this is a super strong 
uh, pain medication. And it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to knock you on your fanny, man. This is, this is strong. And, and they started handing out those, those placebos. I, one guy even asked them, you know, because the, the priest was there, Father, whatever that guy's name is, you know. And uh, he's there and he says, Father, is that morphine? He's sitting and he says, you know, the priest can't lie, right? He says, he says, no, it's not morphine, but it's better than morphine. And so one guy took it and he said, and he called back one of the doctors and said, it's not working. I can feel that it's not working. And, and so Alan Alderplan, this surgeon, he says, I'm, I'm going to give you, one, I can't give you, but one more because it, they're so strong. And so he gave him that one more, and in five minutes he was out. Guy was sound asleep. Now you say, well, that's a TV show. Let me tell you what, made me, what, made, what that TV show reminded me of that I read back when I was in medical, in the medical field. You know, there are places that you can sign up to be a test patient, you know. You can say guinea pig, but a test patient, because they'll do your surgery for free. Okay, this is one of those deals. And this were people that needed uh, orthoscopic surgery on their knees. They needed the, the cleaned out and, and fixed. So half the patients, they, they fixed their knees, you know, would scoped it and fixed the knees. The other half, they just made three incisions. Put them to sleep. Made three incisions, but they didn't do a thing. That's all they did. So they, I'm not making this up. They all woke up because they signed up. They, they'll do whatever. And what they told them to sign up, they were going to do a new procedure on their knees, totally new procedure. And if they would allow them to do this new procedure, they would pay for it. So, hey, they signed up. Half of the people didn't get anything done but three incisions and stitched back up, put to sleep in three incisions, didn't touch their knees. The doctors examined these people six, you know, months later, a month later. And these people woke up. They got three incisions. You know what their brain told them? They fixed my knee. Listen, I'm not making this up. They said they fixed my knee. And not only did, did they, you say, well, it was just mental. The people, they, they exhibited no difference than the people that had actually got the surgery. The same relief and pain relief, the people that got the fake surgery, we'll call it, had the same relief as people that had the actual surgery not only that this is what was so fascinating about it that their knees actually began to improve medically and the doctor said this in this study it was in JAMA Journal of American Medicine Medical uh, it says that that, that they're it showing the power of belief and their brain believed that their knees were getting better and their knees began to get better because they believed they were we don't understand this great gift God's given us. Just our mind. See, what you believing for? What are you believing for? What are you believing for in 2018? What are you believing God for? Do you really believe the Bible? Do you believe doors are going to open for you that no man can shut? Do you believe that God's not just a healer, but he's going to heal you? That you're going to be able to walk out in faith that manifests the healing in your body that an x-ray machine will actually pick up and say it's gone? Are you believing that God's going to deliver you out of whatever problem or situation because God's grace is sufficient for you and that you're growing in the grace and the knowledge of God and therefore grace and peace is being multiplied to you in your life and you're having peace about things that used to make you want to take pills for? I mean, what are you, what are you individually expecting? Are you expecting anything? Do you have an anticipation for, for bad things to happen? It's going to get worse and worse? Or do you actually believe? See, if we would just believe... In the goodness of God. 
That's what the psalmist said. You know, we talk about Isaiah 40, you know, and those that wait upon the Lord, you know, shall renew their strength. And, we, and, and, and there's, let me tell you this, waiting seems like, like we think about park bench waiting on the bus. But that's not, there's a right way to wait and there's a wrong way to wait. If you have an amplified Bible and you're reading that latter verse in Isaiah 40, I believe it is, when, when it says to wait, it always amplifies the text and gives you the, the Hebrew meaning behind it. And it means to expect God. It's expecting God. It's expecting God to be different. And in the Hebrew language, I, when, when Kristen, my daughter, was just a little, little girl, a lot of times Jill would do her hair and they, 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 she would braid it. And they would, I think it was like three strands or something, was it three? And, and, and she would braid it, you know, to a long ponytail. And man, did I hear them having a lot of fights when that was going on. Because Christian's moving and Jill's saying, be still. And, and it, it, you know, it's just going on, you know. But the Hebrew word wait, Hebrew language is pictorial. It shows you a picture. Do you know that that's the picture it shows? It means to braid hair. Ooh, look at that, you learned something means to braid hair. So, in other words, when you're waiting, even though, like my daughter, she couldn't see what's going on because it was happening behind her, but her appearance was changing. See, when you're waiting on the Lord, you are renewing your strength. You are mounting up with eagle wings. Every eagle in here knows that attitude determines altitude. Now, if you're a chicken, you don't know nothing but scratch and peck. But you're not a chicken. God never calls you a chicken in the Bible, but he does call you eagles. This is where the eagles gather. The eagles always gather to the carcass. Of course, the carcass, the body of Jesus on the cross, the finished work of Christ. Winds blow, but it just lifts you higher. Eagles. See, your, your attitude, see, expectation has more to do with your attitude than it does with faith. Faith is in the person, God. But expectation is, it's going to really translate into my life. There are going to be doors open for me that no man can shut. There's going to be opportunities for me in 2018 that I never imagined would have happened. There's going to be things that's going to open up because I have expectation for good. Why? Because God's good. And you say, well, I, I know that. Do you? Do you? Somebody don't or I wouldn't be preaching it. You say I know it in my head, but do you expect it in your hand? See, expecting to receive something of them, he said. He said, I'm expecting to receive something. Listen, your expectation is your God-given ability to make a demand on your future. Who that's good. Now, we're standing at the end of a year and the beginning of a new one, but your expectation is what connects you to the supernatural. For God's supernatural intervention, you know what we call that in the church? Miracles. Miracles. Your expectation is absolutely crucial to the kind of year you're going to have in 2018. You know what we just lived in 2017? What you expected. I know that was going to be deathly quiet. See, you've you got to learn to have right expectations. Your expectations, the Bible says, will not be cut off, one translation said. They'll, you'll not be disappointed, Jesus said. See, this, this man laid at the gate called Beautiful. 
But that moment when they said, look at us, he saw something in them that wasn't religious. He saw a relationship. And he knew then, see, what religion will put coins in your cup, but it can't raise you up. I said religion can put coins in your cup, but it can't raise you up. Religion can bless your heart, and I feel sorry for you, but religion will leave you laying right there. He was laid daily at the gate. And if you do this day in and day out, if you daily hurt, if you're daily broke, if you're daily miserable, you get used to that, you can get adjusted to it, and you can become comfortable in your crisis. Religion will leave you right there. But when relationship confronts religion, it tells you to stop expecting coins in the cup that don't raise you up. I'm saying it where you remember it. But there's something different here. Look at us. Nobody told him that, but they did. Look at us. And when he looked at them, that's when the Bible uses the word, now his faith have, has given birth. Because he had faith, that's why he's there. And his faith was being met by coins in the cup. And everybody that put a coin in the cup felt good. He felt good because now I'm going to survive another day. But God wants you to do more than survive. God don't want you to survive 2018. God don't want you to get through. God, 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 God didn't design us to just barely get by. Just barely get by. Hopefully, I got God's, God's El Shaddai. That's one of his names. So when God says I'm El Shaddai, that means I'm, I'm uh, the God of more than enough. He's not the God of just enough, not enough, but he's El Shaddai. How many knows he's not El Chipo? Again, it's like little children. When my kids were small, never one time did they ask to have a family meeting to look at the checkbook ledger to see how we were doing. It, 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 again, at Christmas time, their faith was exhibited in expectation. And if they asked for it, they expected to receive it. I remember when Kristen, I told this before, I remember when Kristen was just a little, little girl. She was, I don't know how old she was, three, four, five, six years old, five years old, probably four years old. Uh, anyway, but she saw, you know, these TV commercials, man, they, they work your kids, man. So she saw the pink Barbie car. Looks like a Corvette, you know, ain't got, you know. And uh, in those days, man, that was a chunk of change for me. Because that Barbie car was, what was that thing? 300 bucks or plus back then. And you know what she would do? Because she'd picked up some stuff at church. Better what? They'll pick it up. And uh, so we would, when we, we said the uh, prayer, and I'm, she knows I'm, I'm telling the truth. She's, every time at uh, prayer, She'd always want to chime in on the blessing over the food. And she would always, this was a few months before Christmas, she said, thank you, Lord, for my barbecue car I'm getting. <laughs> uh, months she did that. And so back in those days, I, I made my kids pray, whether they wanted to or not, just like I made them brush their teeth and all that stuff. So we would have family prayer, and we would all kneel by the bed, and one by one, uh, we, would, we would pray. And so I would have each of them pray, and Jill would pray, and then I would, I would finish this up in prayer, audible prayer that my kids could hear. Because I'm not only praying, but I'm training. And so I'd look over sometime, and Justin had one leg thrown in the bed trying to half sleep while the prayer's going on. <laughs> because Justin prayed relatively short prayers, even though he was the oldest. Austin prayed very short prayers, and Kristen prayed long prayers. She prayed and blessed God for the, every animal we had by name every night. 
and all that kind of stuff. But in that, in that time of Christmas approaching, she would say, and thank you, Lord, for the Barbie car that I'm getting. Now, just as a natural dad, if I had to move heaven and earth, man, she's getting the Barbie car. I mean, if I got to make payments on the Barbie car, she's getting the Barbie car. And her expectation was not cut off. And we got videos of her riding the Barbie car, stopping it, opening the door, pushing Austin, her little brother, out, closing the door, driving off and leaving him. <laughs> Don't we? He was standing there in his diapers, you know, going after the Barbie car, you know. But, you know, because we made her let him ride. He, he, she rode him about five yards and stopped, pushed him out, closed the door, drove on. But her expectation was actualized because she didn't have just faith in her dad that he loves her. She expected to receive what she'd asked for. Now, in her mind, she wasn't asking her dad. She was asking God. So, therefore, she, she done something that a lot of us don't do. She went ahead and before she got it was thanking him for it. I don't even remember teaching her that, but she sure got a hold of that truth. Thank you, Lord. She didn't ask God for the Barbie car. She thanked him for it because in her mind, she was already riding in it. In her mind, come Christmas morning, she was in that Barbie car. She was already there. You know why? She didn't have faith. She expected it. I'm going to end this, but I'm asking you. This is what I flee God. God said for you to recalibrate, for me to recalibrate in 2018, our expectation. And to really just, you know, just pause. This ain't some big, deep something, but just really... Just, just, just examine yourself to see what, what are you expecting? Has stuff been so hard on you, man? You know, one thing I find that the older I get, it seems like I'm just around more people that this season, Christmas, is really tough. I'm meeting as many people that it's as hard on them as it is a joy to them. Now, some of you may think, you know, that's kind of a downer kind of a deal. But it's reality. A lot of people are older. They miss, they miss those times. They miss how it used to be, how it used to be with the family before you hated each other. Hopefully that's not the case. But they miss the family. You know, I, I, and I, I think like that. I think that's just human. I, I remember my grandmother's house, you know, even though she gave us underwear every year, but I still... <laughs> my granddaddy, when he was alive, we knew he was getting a toy from him. But my meemaw, socks and underwear, that's what you get. So we weren't never excited to open her present. We had to. We knew what it was every year. But my granddaddy now, I knew one thing about him. Whatever he had wrapped was going to be a toy in there. And that's the first present we went after on Christmas Eve because they would always let us open those on Christmas Eve. But, our, you know, they're, all, they're in heaven. You can't, that's, that's over. So it's easy for me to kind of get down if I think on the wrong thing too long. Can I just be honest and tell you that? I don't know if that helps you or hurts you, but, but you know, I mean, I, you, I think that's just normal for a lot of us. So it, it seems like to me this time of year, you have to kind of really discipline yourself to focus on the right thing. And I, and I was watching my grandchildren and, and all that, and, and I was watching them again, and I've seen it before, and I love that. I just love them being excited. I hate that my kids are grown, and, and, and you know, it's hard to buy for them. And, uh, you know, so we, but we, we, we love to try to buy a surprise for them. Even they're grown, we want to buy something that they don't know that they're getting. But just that anticipation of something that, you know, just that joy. And, and, and I want to say this to you. With all my heart, I really believe 
you know, some of you, man, if you'll just raise your expectation, there's things that you never even expected God to do. There's so many testimonies I could give you in my life where God's just blown my mind. With, you see, because if you'll just have an expectation, he'll exceed your expectation. I don't know what that guy expected, but somehow deep inside, I don't believe he expected to get new legs that day. I think he thought he was going to get more than coins in the cup, but I don't really think he expected to get new legs. I believe God exceeded his expectation. But God don't need you to have big faith. He just said faith is a grain of a mustard seed. We'll move mountains with that because it's faith in him. You understand what I'm saying? And so when, 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 when that expectation met his faith, it birthed a miracle. And I love what, what when they said, look at us. Then Paul, I mean Peter and John, they grabbed him. And it said they, actually in the Greek it says they jerked him up. They snatched him up. And when they did, it said his ankle bones received strength. Well, what if it don't work, Brother Dale? Then that lame man's going to be laid right there. But they, 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 they snatched him up, and immediately, I love the word immediately. You know what immediately is doing? It's contrasting that he's been in this way a long, long time, but things changed immediately. You can be in a situation that you've been in a long, long time. It can be a sickness. It can be a financial situation. And immediately things can change. If you'll just look to God for expectation. That not, not for them, not in a general way, but for me. Things are going to change. And when will they change? As soon as you begin to believe. Now, it may take a little bit for the manifestation of that change. But you know, when you hadn't walked in all your life, the Bible said he was lame from his mother's womb. The Bible's drawing contrast. This man is lame from his mother's womb, but yet immediately he's got strength in his ankles. Anybody in here that's medical knows that if you haven't walked and all of a sudden you start walking, you're going to have to have physical therapy. You, you know why? Because you've got to learn to walk. Even a brand new born baby's got to learn to walk. But this man didn't have to learn. This man just stood up. And not only did he walk, he didn't have to take some stutter steps or anything. I love what the Bible says. It says he began to leap. He went from being laid, laying there to leaping. Do you see how fast things can change with God? You can go from laying to leaping. You can, you, you, and, and the Bible said he was leaping. Yes, he's leaping, and then it says he's praising God. You know one reason he was so happy? Because he was going to get to see the inside of that temple that he had never been able to see from the time he was been born. And the Bible said he ran through that gate. He went into that gate, into, and he went into the temple. Can you know that messed up Sunday morning worship at the temple that Sunday? Because that wasn't what they were accustomed to. So here comes this guy that everybody in there has passed by day in, day out. And they go into the temple. And here this guy interrupts the service because he comes in leaping like a gazelle. And not only did the Bible say that he was leaping, it says he was praising God. Do you think he was doing that quiet? You, you couldn't shut up a guy that hadn't walked and all of a sudden now he can walk. That, ha that hadn't never seen the inside of the temple. Now he's seeing it for the first time. He's not just at the gate. He's gone through the gate. Don't get mad at people that go through the gate. You're, you're, you're at the gate. <clears throat> and he's in there leaping, praising God. Everything changed that day. And, and I love the Bible. These little nuances in the scripture. It said that he went through the gate beautiful. Remember the first time it said it, called, it was called beautiful. Now it just says it's beautiful. See why? You can call something beautiful that's not beautiful. But God wants it to really be beautiful. God wants you to have a beautiful life, beautiful marriage, beautiful family. God wants it to be beautiful for you. That's the way God intended it to be. He didn't intend for you to suffer, be persecuted. Jesus died. You ain't got to die. Jesus died for you. Yes, 
We got people with a, with a mentality that they got to go to. No, no. Jesus is the one who went to the cross, so you don't have to go to the cross. Jesus bore the judgment and punishment of sin, so you don't have to bear the wrath of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's what, sincerely, recalibrate. You know what that means, right? Your individual expectation and watch your life take on a whole different thing. Now, I'm not talking about some weird psychic stuff. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm talking about word of God. But when you begin to expect things to be different and believe for that. I've watched people right here in this room. I'm looking at some of them. I've watched people do the same thing unsuccessfully and didn't do the same thing successfully. Why? Because their expectation changed. Before they thought God was mad at them, God's punishing them, they're reaping what they owed, all these lies that we get told. And so what do they expect? They expect the deal to cancel. They expect to be broke. They expect, I knew this, I, I mean, you know, I knew this wasn't going to work for me. Nothing ever does. Really. You hear something worked. You got here today. Don't say nothing ever worked. You understand what I'm saying? But, but listen to how we talk. These signs will follow them that believe. Them that what? Go to church? No. Them that what? They'll speak with new tongues. If you'll ask the Lord, he'll help you to recognize when you're, not speak, when you're speaking with your old tongue. Don't speak with your old tongue. Don't talk like you used to. Don't believe like you used to. Don't expect things to tear up. Don't expect things. I mean, we had a, we had a Harvest Gold Maytag washer and dryer that we bought when we were first married. We couldn't make it tear up. And she wanted it to go. Because we had long outgrown them colors. Remember those? Green or gold. Now, if you got one that color, don't get mad at me. I don't know what you got in your house. I don't care. But, but how many years was that? Fifteen years later. And she kept saying, you know, well, we need to get another one. You know, we just need to get a white washer and dryer, you know. But I'm like, people ain't got no business in our laundry room, no way. Ain't nobody see it but me and you, so what's the deal? Just keep the door closed. I mean, that solves that. It was my philosophy. And so I just never was, you know, want to spend the money to do it. And so one day I was out there at our home where we lived on Valdell back then, and I don't know what kind of truck, some big truck back then there, you know, with the beep, 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 you know, with the lift gate. And here they, they roll off two brand new uh, washer and dryer. And uh, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Wrong house, dude. And they said, no, you Dale Young, right? And I said, yeah. They said, we got a, a, a ticket here to deliver this at your house. And uh, I said, well, who sent it? And they said, we can't tell you that now. They said that we just, somebody came and bought it and told us to deliver it to your house. And that uh, you had some old, uh, uh, different kinds. So obviously somebody knew. Boy, you don't think her, she was so happy? She's like, y'all can just have these other ones. Y'all can just take these with you. You know? But you, you got to expect for things to happen. Do you know the Bible says that when we give, it doesn't say God will give something to you. Say what that guy? Shocked them, right? Give, and God will cause men to give. Men. God uses men to give. Do you know that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, it says that he submitted to his parents. Remember when they, you know, Home Alone? Remember that movie? Home Alone? So they left him, thought he was somewhere he wasn't. Four days later, they find him at the temple. His mother is really rebukes him and says, look at your father. You know, in the Bible, Joseph is never recorded saying one syllable. And that's interesting. But his mother says, look at your father. 
You know, if you've ever been around a Jewish lady, you look at your father, look what you did to your father, look at your father. Anyway, she's like, look at your father. You know, like his, he's probably going, his nerves were shot. Because Mary was in that ear probably all the way back from the caravan two-day ride, I imagine. Like, I thought he was with you. I, you, you know, I don't know, I'm just teasing. But they rebuked him. And he says, Mother, you know, didn't you know i got to be about my father's business? And he wasn't talking about the carpentry business. And, and the Bible says this. And look, he says, they understood not the things he said, that they said. Listen, if anybody was going to understand Jesus and his call and his ministry, it had to be his parents that both got visited by Gabriel, right? But at that time, 12 years old, the angelic visitation is 12 years old. And it's very easy for you and I to forget supernatural things that God's done in our past where God intervened in our life and helped us to overcome something that we could not have overcome on our own. And if it's been 12 years ago, I want you to refresh your memory today. That God's just still, he's still the same God that delivered you 12 years ago. He's still the same God that answered your prayer 50 years ago, whenever it was. He, he hadn't changed. And, and, and the amazing thing about Jesus, it said that they understood not the things that he said. But then the next verse says this, but he made himself subject to them and went down to Nazareth with them. So you know the word subject there is the Greek word hupo tasso. Hupo means come under. Tasso means authority. Now please don't get all upset about that. Americans don't like anybody telling them what to do. But Jesus submitted to people that didn't understand his ministry. Some of you can't even submit to people that understand you. Deep down, nobody really understands any of us. There's times I don't understand my own self. But Jesus submitted to his parents because that was the authority of his life at 12. And listen to this. I'm closing with this. Next verse says, and Jesus grew. Everybody say grew. grew. Jesus grew in stature. That's just physical. He says that's a given. He grew in stature and in favor with God and man. He says he grew in stature, wisdom, and favor. If Jesus was God and he was, how could he get smarter? Because Jesus wasn't a man pretending to be God, he was the God-man. And he laid aside that attribute, and Jesus had to learn who he was by the Holy Spirit revelation. Jesus grew in wisdom. Everybody believes and teaches in church, and it's a lie. Jesus knew everything when he walked the earth. He did not know everything. Because if he knew everything, then you, can, you just need to stop calling him your example because we don't know everything. Jesus was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. There was a time that he would know. They, they even asked him one time, when will be the end of the age? Jesus said, I don't know. He said, nobody knows that, but my father knows it. Jesus admitted out of his own mouth, there's things I don't know. Because he was a real human like us. He took upon real flesh with a real brain and a real body. But he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He never ceased to be God, but he laid that divinity aside and didn't utilize it. And he walked as a man. The Bible says, Acts 10, 39, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It gave us his address. How he anointed him. How can you anoint God more than he's anointed? But he anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good healing. All that was sick and oppressed of the devil. So Jesus walked in the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I have the availability to walk in that same power. How did he do it? By the Spirit. If the, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, it quickens. You know what that means? Quickens. It means it energizes. It activates in your body. I tell you, I count on a lot of things. I just count. One verse comforts me tremendously. It says he sent his word and healed them. I know if I'll just stay in the word, listen to the word, eat the word, that the word will drive out every disease out of my body. 
is healing to my navel and health to my bones. Life is in the blood in Leviticus. It says, listen, life is in the blood. But that's for my natural body. So my natural body needs that blood because Leviticus said life is in the blood. But when Jesus died on the cross, all of his blood was shed. Listen to me. And when Jesus was resurrected, one thing he did not have in that resurrected body is blood. Another sermon, another day. But he said, remember, don't you remember that in Scripture? Thomas, he said, flesh and bone do I have. Because where was his life coming from then? Where was that Zoe coming from? I'm just trying to get you to see that you're not intrinsically tied to your blood cells. Your blood count and all that is important for your natural body. But you, there's, there's something greater than that. There greater is he that's within you than he that's in this world. There's something greater than that on the inside. And that's, that's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And so when Jesus was resurrected, he didn't have blood. Nobody in heaven is going to have blood. But what you're going to have is life. And you're going to have that same life because God created Adam and then he put his, nose, his mouth on his nostrils and he blew life into him. And when Adam rebelled against God, he lost that zoe, that life. But Jesus came that, I'm, that you might have life. Zoe, and have it more abundantly. Are you having it more abundantly? Or are you barely getting by? What do you expect for in 2018? I got to quit, man. But I want you to expect good things. I want you to raise your expectation and let us do what I believe I heard God say to me when I was looking in the face of my kids. He says, son, you need me, Dale. You need to recalibrate your expectations. You need to deliver this word. That's what I was talking about last Sunday. And tell the church for those people to recalibrate their expectations in me because their expectations will not be cut off. They will not be ashamed. They will not be disappointed. You won't put faith in God and be disappointed. Amen. Amen. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, stand to your feet. Give God praise. Amen. Our, our ministry team elders, would you come in case someone wants prayer today? We are honored to be able to do that and pray with you. And, uh, Hallelujah. How many believe in God for great things in 2018? So, Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the expectation that rises in our hearts today. God, we got faith in you, but God, let our faith give birth to expectation, and let expectation plus faith equal miracles, equal, Lord God, the supernatural in our lives. Let us never be comfortable with coming to this church, not seeing people saved, healed, delivered, set free. God, let our expectation be that every time we gather, Lord God, that you will meet us with manifested presence and power. That people's lives will be absolutely changed forever by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It quickens, it activates, energizes our mortal body. God, I thank you for that. That's the power that's in us that's capable of driving out stage four cancers. That's the power that's able to deliver us from leukemia and diseases and problems, even in our physical body, because you sent your word and healed them. Father, I thank you for the healing power in the word of God. I thank you for grace and peace being multiplied to us in the knowledge of your son Jesus and the power that comes through knowing him. We love you, Father. We are loved by you, Father. And I thank you for the expectations of the people being for greater things than we experienced in 2017. We're believing and expecting, Lord God, more than a coin in the cup. We're expecting for our ankles to be strong. I'm expecting to walk where I've never walked before. 
I'm expecting to leap where I used to lay. I'm expecting things to be different in my life and in my body in 2018. I'm expecting for good because you're good. And I bless you for that today. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you want prayer for any reason, I'm going to dismiss the church. While they go that way, you come this way. We're here to serve you and pray with you. God bless you. Happy New Year. We love you guys.